see you all here this morning. Uh, I, uh, I am really happy to be back with you all. I was gone last week, and, and that was due to kind of some health issues, and I'll explain a little bit more about that later during the, my, my message. But uh, it's definitely good to be back with you all this morning and, and uh, have the opportunity to share God's worth with you. Uh, now, today, we're doing a little different. We're, we're doing our sermon kind of up front as we study God's Word because of kind of the, the, to- the topic that we're going to be dealing with today and how it leads us into our worship and our time before uh, the Lord's table. Today, we're going to be talking about a concept that I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, and as a Christ follower, you've experienced from your, yourself, and, and that is it's the idea of compassion, Compassion, and, and so we're going to kind of look at what that means and how, how Jesus uh, gave us compassion, demonstrated compassion for us, and how he expects us to do the same for those around us. But as we begin, let's uh, offer a word of prayer to, to the Lord this morning. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we are, we are thankful for another beautiful day to worship you. Every day is a good day when we can call ourselves your children, and today we celebrate that, we rejoice in that, and, and we worship you because of that. And so, Father, we pray that as we open up your word and we study its contents, as we look at the, the message and the example set before us by your Son, I pray, Father, that you will, will speak to our heart and lead us into a better understanding of how we can live and be more like your Son. So thank you again uh, for his example. Thank you for his sacrifice. And, and because of that, we're here today. And so we, we give you this time and ask that you move and work within it. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Well, as we begin, let's define compassion a little bit. Again, I'm sure that if we all, we pulled the room, we'd probably come up with a pretty good uh, understanding, definition of it. But the dictionary defines it this way. It says that compassion is a, a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. And it is accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Okay, so in other words, to kind of wrap that up into a little easier uh, presentation, it's seeing someone in need and not just feeling sorry for them, but being moved to help them in that situation, right? Seeing a need and, and meeting that need, desiring to meet that need because we care for that person. Some of the synonyms within Scripture that we find for this word compassion are pity, you know, that looking at someone in need and feeling sorrowful for them, but also mercy, and mercy is very closely connected. It's intrinsically connected to the idea of compassion. In fact, in the Old Testament, they're basically the same exact word. And as I was doing some research on this this week, I came across kind of an explanation for uh, how mercy and compassion are connected. It went like this. It says, the Greek word for mercy in the New Testament is aleo, and it can mean to help one afflicted or to bring help to the wretched. The Hebrew word for mercy is rakam, rakam, and it means womb or compassion. Womb because a mother cares for her child in the womb, right? That, That compassion, that care, that overwhelming desire to protect and nurture that child. So it's kind of the same word, womb and compassion, uh, rak'am within the the Hebrew, the Old Testament. So when we kind of combine these ideas, the full use of the Hebrew and Greek definitions of mercy can read like this, showing compassion by helping the wretched and afflicted. Showing compassion by helping the wretched and afflicted. In other words, not just feeling sorry, but then doing something about that sorrow 
to help meet the need. And that is exactly what God does for each of us uh, as sinful people. Uh, you know, Jesus himself, he's the very definition of the word compassion. We can see it lived out in his life in almost every scenario within the New Testament, within the Gospels. In Scripture, we see over and over how Jesus showed compassion to the people that he taught and interacted with, meeting their needs, whatever those needs were. And to begin this morning, I want to read from a passage of Scripture from the book of Mark, chapter 6, starting in verse 30. And I'm sure this story will sound familiar to, to you. It's one that you probably learned in Sunday school if you were in the church when you were a young child. It goes like this. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus, and <coughs> excuse me, they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. They had to kind of get on a boat to get away from everybody, in a sense, to get away from all the crowds. So they went to the solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Uh, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. And this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they, they said, five and two fishes. Uh, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Okay, so if that's the number of men, when you add in the women and children who might have been present, that could have been upwards of 10,000 people that Jesus fed from five loaves and two fishes. Now, this is an amazing story, and we tell this story because it demonstrates the power that Jesus had, the power to perform miracles, right? And those miracles confirmed the authority that had been given to him by the Father as he did his earthly ministries and draw, drew people to his Father. But this story is so much more than just the miracle of the, the actual fishes and the loaves being multiplied. That's just one little element of what this story is telling us. First, it tells us that he showed compassion. He had compassion on the people. As he was traveling the mountain and as he was teaching, he understood the needs of these people, and he understood the need of them collectively for a Savior. They needed direction. They were directionless. And he says he showed compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were wandering. The people of Israel, the Jewish people, they were wandering. They were floundering in their faith. And Jesus saw a need, a spiritual need, and he desired to meet that need. And so it says he began teaching them many things, drawing them to the Father. But then in this story, we also see that it wasn't just the spiritual needs that Jesus met, right? He, he saw actually a physical need. They, they were hungry, and he showed compassion, and he met that need. He multiplied the fish, and he multiplied the loaves of bread, and he fed thousands of people. It's an amazing story of the compassion that Jesus had for people, both on the physical level and on the spiritual level. 
You know, Jesus showed compassion to pretty much everybody that he came into contact with. It wasn't just people that he taught. It wasn't just the people that followed him, his disciples, but it was also actually those who worked actively against him. One of those groups of people were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a group of religious leaders of the day, religious teachers, the scribes and the the Pharisees, the, the ones who kept track and taught God's laws and God's rules. And they were always out to get Jesus, it seemed. It seemed like they were always trying to trick him and trap him into saying something that would get him arrested or, or beaten. And, and one of those situations took place in the book of Luke, chapter 14. And again, it's, an, it's a, one of these stories where we have kind of this, this uh, idea, this kind of that we kind of teach mainly, but there's something kind of running under the current, uh, an undercurrent to this story that is important for us to understand as well. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 1. It says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Again, they were always looking to try to trap him in his words. He was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees, an expert in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Again, this is one of those stories where there's quite a few things happening here. We see Jesus teaching about the principle of the Sabbath and how far you may go in in helping another person out and showing compassion towards someone else on the Sabbath day. We see here that he demonstrates his authority and his power over nature and natural laws by bringing healing to a man who, was, who it says was, had abnormal swelling. He was bloated and sick. And we have the compassion that he showed towards this man in his physical ailments. But I believe that there's also an underlying story here of compassion towards a man who is a Pharisee. This man who was out to get Jesus, in a sense, who had probably invited him over with all his friends and all his support around him. It says that there was, there was Pharisees and experts in the law there watching him. And so he went into the lion's den because he knew what was going on, but he showed compassion to eat and to teach and respond to these people who were not his friends. Compassion was such an overwhelming characteristic of Jesus' life here on earth. In Matthew chapter 9, throughout the Gospels, here's just a few of them. In Matthew chapter 9, we have a story of Jesus having compassion on the crowds of people. Once again, that story of him feeding the, 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 the people. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus had compassion when he says he longed to gather the people of Israel unto himself like a mother hen, right? Showing that nurturing, caring compassion of, of our Savior. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus had compassion on a man with leprosy, and he cured him of his disease. In Mark chapter 5, he came across a demon-possessed man and showed compassion by driving the demon out of his life. In Luke chapter 7, we have a, a lady who was a widow who had no real hope for the future outside of her only child who had died, and Jesus brought him back to life. In Luke chapter 10, we see a parable that Jesus taught that the, the Samaritan showed compassion when even a Jew's countryman would not, and how we should model that compassion to our neighbor. In Luke chapter 15, uh, one of my favorite parables, the parable of the prodigal son. And in that parable, Jesus again teaches about compassion by showing that when the father saw his son returning, that son who had abandoned him, who had, had neglected and rejected his family and gone off on his own and squandered his father's wealth, as he returns, he's still a long ways off, and the father has compassion and runs to greet him. 
which is unheard of from an elderly Jewish man. He ran to greet his son. John chapter 4 tells a story of Jesus who interacted with a man of very high importance, a royal official. And this royal official had an ill child, and Jesus wasn't even present with that child, and yet through his words healed that child's life. In John chapter 5, Jesus healed a lame man who couldn't walk. In John chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man. We could go all day long looking at these stories of one after another, not just of Jesus healing, but him caring for people and meeting their needs, showing compassion. That's the example that's been set before us within the Gospels. You cannot read the Gospels without being overwhelmed by the compassion of Christ. And so as a result of that, there's some expectations for us. As Christ followers, we have some expectations to, to share that same compassion. And we see that within the, the letters of Paul, really specifically, in the letters of Peter and, and James. We see uh, the rest of the New Testament after the Gospels reminding us over and over and over again that we should be an avenue of compassion as well. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore, and really under that therefore is understanding how Christ has given us compassion, how Christ has been an avenue of compassion for mankind. As we see that and understand it, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, those are all part of what make up compassion. You know, it needs to be a defining characteristic of who we are. We need to be compassionate. We need to clothe ourselves with compassion. It's so much that we radiate compassion, right? That it's something that people notice about us very prominently, that is visible upon us like a new set of clothes. We need to be compassionate. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Peter says the same thing. He says, finally, he's wrapping up his thoughts. He says, finally, all of you, not some of you, all of you, right? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, uh, as God's chosen people, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. You know, sometimes I think we, we look at uh, something like mercy and, and compassion, and we kind of see it as a spiritual gift that some people have and some people don't, right? Some of us are very good at showing compassion, and then there are the rest of us that we don't really care, right? <laughs> uh, you know, and we look at it and say, okay, well, that's, that, that's, I understand. I'm not compassionate, but I can serve. Uh, I'm not compassionate. I can teach. I'm not compassionate, but I can be generous. Uh, you know, it's a spiritual gift. But that's not the case. If that were the case, he wouldn't say all of you, right? He wouldn't say all of God's chosen people. All of us have a responsibility to be compassionate. We've all been shown compassion by our Savior, and we need to return that to everyone around us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, we see the importance of showing compassion, where it says, If anyone with earthly possession sees his brother in need but withholds his compassion from him, how can the love of God abide in him? If you're not demonstrating compassion, if you not, do not have a compassionate heart, then is the love of God really within you? Have you really experienced for yourself the compassion that Jesus offers you? God has blessed us with so much. You know, and when we give to others, when we help other people, we meet other people's needs, then that is showing compassion. In the book of James, uh, he as well, the, the author James, he, he tells us this same idea. He says, religion... And we have this religion, Christianity. He defines it. Religion that God our Father accepts. And I'm talking about the world, right? But the religion that God accepts 
is pure and fault, as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows. And to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And it keeps oneself from being polluted by the world. In other words, what he wants from us as Christ followers is to see needs and meet them. See needs and meet them. And that's what compassion is. It's looking out for the needs of others. It's looking out for the fatherless. It's looking out for the widowed, for those in distress, to take care of them, to provide them and love them, provide them with the love of Christ. You know, uh, again, compassion is not just about how we treat each other here in this room. It's not just about how we treat the people in our family, our friends, our loved ones. But compassion is for everybody, for those who we call our friend and family, but also who those we do not. Right? Compassion is to be shown to everyone, including those who would do us wrong, those who we might even ourselves call our enemies. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches this principle. He says, you have heard uh, that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, then punch him in the face. Wait, sorry, I've lost my track. It's not what it says, right? If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other as well. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, then get a good lawyer. Hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is a countercultural idea. This isn't what the world around us tells us. Compassion is withholding our rage, withholding our anger and our frustration, even when those things are deserved. And that's the connection to mercy that we talked about earlier. Mercy really is when God withheld what we deserved. You know what we deserved? Death. Right? We deserve to be kicked out of the kingdom, not embraced and included. We deserve our sin earns a penalty. And he said, I'm not going to give you that penalty because Jesus came and took the price, right? Or he paid the price. You know, on top of that, it's not just withholding what was deserved, but it's going over the top. It's going way over the top and giving what isn't deserved. And that's the definition of grace, getting something we don't deserve. We deserved death. We deserved hell. But what did we receive in return? We received life. We received eternal reward. See, compassion is this combination of mercy and grace, and we've been given it ourselves, and it's our turn now to show it to other people. To be compassionate is to be understanding. It's to be kind and caring. It's to help others in their time of trials, in their time of need. It's, it's being patient with one another. It encompasses so many other attributes that we are encouraged to demonstrate within Scripture that, again, we could spend hours and hours and hours looking at the fullness of what it means. It really comes down to this. It's showing empathy, right? Not just sympathy where we feel bad. Right? That's pity. I feel bad for you. But no, I, I experience it with you. I walk the road with you. I bear your burden. I carry your failure. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be judgmental towards the, what you are facing. You know, I can, I can speak from experience in this regard. I, I learned a pretty valuable lesson in the last few weeks, and this may be a little difficult for me to share personally, so if I get emotional, 
that's who I am. Uh, but two weeks ago, uh, I, if you would have come up to me and told me that you were dealing with, with worry or stress or anxiety, my, my, my uh, response to you would be, well, cast your burdens upon the Lord, right? Cast your, or, uh, I just, the verse went right out of my mind right in the moment. But, but I would have quoted to you a verse about depend on God, put your faith in God. And I would have maybe even judged you a little bit based on what you were facing because do you not have enough faith to trust God that he, he has a hold of you and he will see you through? Well, two weeks ago on Sunday morning, my understanding of anxiety changed. When I uh, got here in the morning, uh, I started to get a little nervous on my drive in, and I, and, and I started to get a little anxious, and, and it got progressively worse through the course of the morning until Doug was saying his prayer for me to come up to preach, and I had an anxiety attack in that moment. And I scooted over. I was sitting right over here, and Dick Sargent was in front of me, and I whispered to Dick, I can't do this. You have to preach. And Dick said, it was like, nuh-uh. <laughs> um, I'm like, Dick, I cannot do this. I don't know what's going on, but I am not doing well right now. I felt like I was having a heart attack. I felt like I was burning up. I felt like I was freezing cold. I felt like I wanted to crawl into a fetal position. I felt like I wanted to run around the room screaming my head off. All at the same time. It was very confusing. And so my plan was to uh, have him get up to preach. And I was going to run out of the room and call 911. And that's where I was. And uh, God saw me through it. And if you were here two weeks ago, you might have noticed that I wasn't myself quite, what I, uh, quite myself when I was speaking, when I was preaching, because it was all I could do to read the words on the page in front of me. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been dealing with anxiety. I've been uh, taking some time off. I was able to go away last weekend, and we went to Crater Lake and Diamond Lake and camped and, and was able to relax and kind of step away from it for a moment. But all of a sudden now, I can tell you this, I have a much greater understanding for those who are going through that battle, right? To understand that when in that moment, it does not matter how much you pray. It does not matter how much you tell yourself, everything's fine. I'm not having a heart attack. I can breathe. My mind is fine. I'm going to get through this because all you feel is that battle in that moment. See, that's what compassion really is. It's saying, I understand, because I've been through that. Or if I haven't been through that, I'm definitely not going to be judgmental over a battle that I've never fought before. Compassion is understanding and sympathizing and empathizing with what someone is going through. You know, in, in, in Luke chapter 14, we read that story where Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and he had meal, he had dinner with this man who was out to get him, but he showed him that compassion. And he used it as an opportunity to show compassion to a man who was, who was very ill, and he healed that need. You know, that kind of that hit the, those men who were there in that moment very deeply. And they had some questions about that. And we're going to keep reading in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 15, kind of as a response of what took place there in that healing that Jesus performed. It says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, he told him kind of a story. He said, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. 
But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see to it. Please excuse me. Uh, Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Uh, Please uh, excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant, go out and quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, (coughs) the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. See, this story, this little parable here, it's, it's, he, he's foreshadowing what was to come. He's foreshadowing the inclusion of the Samaritans and the Gentiles, all of those who weren't Jews, into the family of God. He's saying, the Jews have rejected me. They won't come to my table. And so I'm going to invite anybody. I'm throwing open the doors of the kingdom, and everybody is now invited. Right? And he, he's, he's, he's telling what's going to happen in just a little short time. But what is this really? It's a demonstration of compassion to you and I. See, before this time, unless you were a Jew, unless you had, had turned to Judaism, in a sense, you were, you were not part of the, the kingdom. But Jesus flung open those doors. He said, there's room at the table. There's room at my table for anybody. And it doesn't matter what they look like, what they smell like, what they do. All they need to know is that I'm offering compassion and love. You know, he told him, go out and find the wretched, the afflicted, the lame, the blind. Come and sit at my table. Let me provide for your needs, whether they be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. Because our God is faithful to provide those things. One of the great hymns says, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. You know the rest? They fail not. The compassion of the Lord never fails. The compassion of the Lord never fails. He desires that all of us now as Christ followers model that same unfailing compassion. But more than just model it, he wants us to mean it, to embrace it, to feel it in our womb, right in our soul, in our hearts, down deep inside of us, to hurt with those who hurt, to mourn with those who mourn, to search out and include the outcast, to assist the addicted, to feed the hungry, to pray for and care for the sick, to walk in someone else's shoes, to give them our coat, to go the extra mile, to not be so quick to judge, to not be so critical of other people who are fighting battles we don't even know of. To show patience and understanding. To make room at our table. And this morning, as we become before the Lord's table, here in a few minutes after our time of worship, um, we're going to celebrate the time when Jesus humbled himself before his Father. And he became obedient, even to the point of death upon the cross. The act that made room at the table for us. I have a professor, had a professor over at Boise Bible College by the name of John Greenlee, and recently he's preached a message on compassion, and that's exactly how he defined it. Making room at the table. And Christ's death on the cross was the ultimate act 
of compassion, making room at his table for you and I. Each one of us in this room were one of the people in that story that he told. Each one of us at one point were part of that poor, crippled, blind, the lame, the outcast. And Jesus invited us in and he invited us to sit at his own personal feasting table. So this morning when we eat together of the bread, which symbolized his body broken upon the cross for us, when we drink of the cup, which symbolizes the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us, we remember exactly how far we've come from where we were to where we are now. And we need to remember that he's the one that brought us here. We remember what we once were, what we now are. And today, when we celebrate together of these emblems, we proclaim that fact to everyone present here in this room and to all who might see us and hear of us and wonder what it is we are doing. Let it be a reminder and a motivation to us this morning as we take these emblems that we are a vehicle of compassion to this world. It is our opportunity and our obligation to invite others to this table to experience the same blessings that we've experienced, to eat the same meal that we are eating, to receive the same honor that we've received to be taking on the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in becoming children of God. There's room at the table for you. And there's room at this table for everyone that we meet this week. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful this morning to be here and to be able to study your word and to share what it has to say. And Father, what it has to say is life-changing. It's life-altering. It changes the direction of where we're headed, away from you to directly beside you at your table. And Father, I just am so thankful that you made room for me with all of my faults, with all of my failures, You saw me as valuable. Father, everyone here in this room has that same value. And I pray, Father, that we will accept that and embrace that and understand how much you love us this morning, how much compassion you poured out upon us. And Father, I just pray that that compassion, that love that we've experienced will motivate us to show that same compassion that same love to our family today, to our friends, and Father, to even those we would call enemies. And Father, we need help. We need your power, the power of your spirit to work within us, to change us so that we have that motivation and we have those skills necessary to to love and show compassion in that way. And so this week, we depend upon that spirit. May it work mightily within us. In your precious son's name, we pray.